Hello, and welcome to Forward Church Online. In this weekly podcast, we hope that you'll have an encounter with God through inspired teaching and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This is his only stop in Florida. Kingdom connections provide divine appointments. So you may be thinking, I'm sitting in a church service. You're sitting in the kingdom. And you're about to get the bread of life placed right in front of you. I would like for you this morning to stand with me and to give a close friend of mine, and he'll be yours. Pastor Kurt Erickson, all the way from London, England. Come on, brother. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, it's good to to be here, man. Really good to be here. Praise the Lord. It's good to travel around. It's also good to come home. It's my Florida home. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. A brother from a different mother. (laughs) Same father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, shall we? Hallelujah. Uh, I, I tell you, you know, I'm, I'm pretty undone by the worship. Um, I've got notes here, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, God's just it's awesome. Thank you for sharing the, the Lord with us, the worship team. Thank you for coming all the way from Georgia to do it. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing the time last night. I get to know you. I thank God for what he's doing, friends. I really do. Let me just pray, because I really, I really feel like I'm undone here. I just, I just feel the presence of God. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about the glory of God. If the glory of God was here in biblical proportions, friends, I wouldn't even be speaking. And you wouldn't be sitting right now. You'd be on your face right now. Moses once said to God, you know, show me your glory, God. And God responded, he says, I'll let my goodness pass before you. Because I've always, I've been challenged by that. God, I want to see your glory in my life, in my family, on the streets, in my church. And at times I felt a, a pinhead of God's glory. And friends, those are times when I just couldn't even get, I couldn't even raise my head. The glory of God, that the unapproachable, imaginable light of God's pure presence. Friends, I wouldn't even be standing now if the glory of God... And that's biblical. When they dedicated the temple, the glory of God filled the temple. And the priests couldn't even minister. So when God's in the house, truly, when God's in the house right now, by His Holy Spirit, in me, in you, bringing forth the Word. So I, I, don't, I don't mistake that. He's here, friends. His presence is here. But we talk about His glory, friends. I wouldn't even be standing if 
the glory of God was here, the inapproachable light. What I see is goodness here, friends. I see the glory of God in each and every one of you. His goodness is passing before us. And for this moment, friends, we will hide in the cleft of the rock as he goes by. And this is biblical too. Paul wrote this. He testifies. Christ is the rock, friends. He's the cleft that we hide in. We see the Lord and his goodness pass by. And I've seen it in the rich. I've seen it in the poor. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in the streets. The goodness of God. It's like this that, that expression in um, uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Chronicles of Narnia. And the little boy is asking the beaver. And there's all these little different characters. They're asking about this lion, Aslam. They ask, is he good? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Is he safe? And the beaver goes, no. But he's good. I love that. Is God safe? Well, we're safe inside of friends, but I don't take him for granted. He's good. I've learned to take, Lord, whatever you give me, I've learned to take it. The good and the bad, the things I don't understand, the things that you are, you know, his timing. Is he safe? No. In that sense, it's his timing, not my timing. It's his agenda, not my agenda. Is he safe? If he's safe, I wouldn't have to walk by faith. Walk by faith, friends, is not a leap into the darkness and just hope he catches you. A walk of faith is a stepping into the light. But a light that you, you may have not traveled before. Let me pray. Let me just share. I've got a word here. I've got a testimony. I've got the Holy Spirit. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for being here today. What a, what a joy it is to be here, Lord. I bless you, Lord God. Bless you for this church. Lord, I remember, Lord God, the days of small beginnings. I remember, Lord God, the times of just sharing my heart and hearing the heart of this church, Lord. Pastor Dennis, Lord. Years ago. And that vision has not waned, God. The surroundings have changed greatly, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the growth. But, Lord, your glory and that passion stays the same. Whether it's between one or two people, Lord God, or one or two thousand, Lord, I pray your word goes forth today. Lord, I ask that you would break our hearts to make our hearts, Lord. Lord, as we spend an hour, Lord God, just worshiping you in song, honoring you, Lord God, in the smallest of, of humans, Lord, thank you, Lord, Father, for the children. Father, we want to come today to you as a little child. Not a childishness, Father. Give us a sobriety of our faith. Grow us up, Lord. Mature us. Father, the childlike faith, I come to you right now. Boasting no wisdom of my own or any authority of my own. But the wisdom of your word, the power of your spirit, and the weight of your word, Lord God. Change our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it says that uh, an expression in nature, you know, the same sun that melts the wax.
hard as the clay. And I pray our hearts will be like wax today, friends. Some of you are new today. You raise your hands, and uh, I just share this with the pastor. I speak on that authority. Welcome today. And even some of you that may be coming for a while, I don't know where you are in the Lord. I don't know the new ones coming in or those who have been visiting. I don't know how where you stand with God. You know, I, I'm, I, am, I, I don't know, I'm going to get heavy immediately. My wife used to say, greet the church and be friendly, Kurt, you know. <laughs> but I've got a short time here, friends, and I just, I have a burden of the Lord on my heart. I know, friends, I live in a city that's seven million strong. If there was a cataclysmic accident that would happen in London and could happen any time, any place, no day and age today, friends. It could be a terrorist thing. It could be some mistake, some nuclear thing, some gas thing, whatever it could be. And I see 7 million people, friends. I, I often wonder how many of those are going to the Lord. 7 million. There could be almost 60, maybe 6 million going. You know that in London, only about 10% of the people go to church on a Sunday. And that's being very liberal. At least just 10%. Probably, and I'm being very generous now. That means when you look on a crowd, friends, only 1 out of 10 or 9 out of the 10 that you're watching have a different agenda on a Sunday than God. I think in the States, I think it's about maybe 50% now. And since it's going down and down, friends. Now, God's doing some great stuff. Don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not doomsday. No, I mean, I got a hope. But I look upon this culture, I look upon especially Western Europe, the culture that my adopted home, I'm from the States, by the way. I went from a, a New England accent to an Old England accent. <laughs> I'm from Providence, Rhode Island, but I've lived in, in the state. I've lived in England now for about 22 years. But I pray right now, friends, our hearts do not grow hard. You know, we're going to see, we're going to see tougher times we're seeing now, friends. Believe me. Believe me. You know, Austria has zero point, zero point, maybe zero one percent Christian. Italy, mostly secular or Catholic. Spain, secular or Catholic. Ireland, secular or Catholic. Croatia, same way. Bosnia, the first Muslim European city, right in the heart of Europe. There's a battle ahead of us, friends. There's a battle ahead of us. And we've seen the future. But I'm talking to the present right now, the present leaders. The ones who need discipling, the, one who need, the ones who need mentors and disciples and coaches. I still call you coach. But I tell you, more than a football coach, when he's a coach in the word. He's a coach in the kingdom of God. And I, I, I call him coach. He's my coach. He speaks to me all the time. But I tell you, talk about leadership. Leadership, friends, is not, yes, it's knowing the word, it's going to the schools, it's knowing your stuff. But leadership, friends, is maturity and influence. That's why I liked it when you said the bus drivers, the, the kitchen work, it's maturity and leadership. I had friends, I had two, two a married couple come into my church and they said, Kurt, you know, we, and together they've had about 30 years each, about 70 years of faith together, as husband and wife. And they said, we're here just, just to just receive, Kurt. I said, nonsense. By virtue of your maturity and your influence over others, you are a leader. Because people look to you. They listen to you. They know that you've known the Lord a few years. There's a track record behind you. And friends, God right now is making, first of all, he makes the man. And ladies, I'm talking about this generically. He makes the man. Plus it goes to my uh, alliteration. He makes the man. 
Then he makes the ministry. Then he makes the message. Many of us, we, we're resistant even of the making of the man of God or the woman of God. We've been touched by God, and that's all we want is that, that touch, the blessing. You know, we sing the songs coming to the altar, you know, just as I am, Lord. And you turn away and leave just as I was, Lord. I want the blessing of God, but I don't want to carry the cross of God. But see, first God makes the man. Go, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And look at verse 16. It's up here. Do you have that? I'm not sure if you have it behind me. But so funny, I was preaching just a few weeks ago, and I'm saying, go to the Word. I'm hearing no pages turning at all. I'm saying, this is strange. I realize behind me is all the Scripture verses. So um, anyway, if you have the Word, please turn with me. If not, just look on back here if we have it back here. 2 Corinthians 5. I've got a few things I want to talk about, friends, and my time is short. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It just says, From thou on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. I tell you, friends, there's a born-again experience, and this is just to set a base. We all know that. Some of you, again, like I said, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you don't know this. Maybe some of you in here do not truly know who the Lord Jesus is. You're still looking at Jesus as a man of time and space. I mean, many, many people like that. In fact, England can be very religious, but it's totally backslidden. It's a prodigal land. We have a state church. You can't get more religious than that. The queen is the head of the Church of England. Isn't it funny they won't allow women to speak in church? And yet the queen is the head of it. Go figure. <laughs> but by law, the monarch is the head of the church. We have a state church. We are very religious. But we, we, we see Christ strictly as a man. That was Pilate's demise. He's standing side by side with the Lord of glory, though he's beaten and whipped and bloody, but he's standing right next to him. And what does he say to the crowd? Behold who? Behold the man. He's just a man. He's a good teacher. He's, uh, he's a moralist. He can do good things. He's a miracle worker, but he's just a man. And Pilate's demise was that, you know, crucifixion was so easy in the days of Rome. He's just another one. Kill him. He's just a man. And at one time, friends, we saw Christ as just a man. By the way, I, I want to thank all the Sunday school teachers in this, in this church. And those parents who train your child in the ways of the Lord. I went to Sunday school, and I saw him just as a man. I was about seven, eight years old, and I was forced to go to Sunday school. I'm the only one, I think, that I know of that was actually sent out of the Sunday school class. I, was, I, I used to cut up, and I used to go there, and there was a, a class clown, and I, I love the stories, but I was, you know, I just couldn't really get into it. But let me tell you, friends, and let me encourage the Sunday school teachers. Somewhere along the line, God put the seed of his word in a, a little boy's heart. And that time I was 12 years old, friends, I wanted to be a 12-year-old Billy Graham. The time I was 13 years old, I got into the wrong crowd, and that's what Coach was talking about. Into the wrong crowd. 12 years, no, 8 of. Oh, I was 27. Let me do my maths here. 15 years later, he was somebody who had gone through uh, 12 years of drug and alcohol use, who had just had, was too cool to fool, had his own, own agenda, but God was so far from him, and the bottom gave out at the age of 27. 
But God germinated a heart that was planted in the young boy's heart when he was seven years old. That when it came time for, for this one to cry out, I remembered God. It took me a long time, friends. You know, you train up a child the way that he shall go, and when he gets old, he will not depart. And I believe that. And sometimes there's a lot of water in between. I just pray, God, I just pray that there's no permanent damage in between. But you raise up a child in the way that he shall go. He will not depart. But for many, many years, friends, I saw Christ just as a man. As a matter of fact, as I got older and I began to, to read the word on an intellectual level in that sense, you know, if you can quote scripture, it's, it's, it's greater parties. Well, you know what the Bible says? Wow, this guy's wise. Wow. Oh, he, that's cool. And you're just like quoting Proverbs. You don't say it's the Bible, though. You quote Proverbs, wow, man, that's, that's really hip. That's really cool. And you write that for a song, maybe, or something. It's strictly a man. But there came a point, friends, in our lives, again, it's just a foundation. We've crossed from death into life. We've gone from not believing to believing. We've stepped into the light, friends. Not a leap into the, into the darkness, a stepping into the light. God makes the man, that's what it says in verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That's what this a whole new frontier, friends. This church is a new frontier in the spirit, friends. It's a walk of faith. And many of us, once we cross over, friends, and what you were talking about, Coach, before, about the different people. I, I've seen so many different people. God has opened up doors for me on the streets going back 25 years ago in New York City. When it, you know, before I was an actor, before that's what brought me to New York City, I was in show business almost 15 years. And God broke me. I was still doing drugs. I was still an actor and stuff. I gave my heart to the Lord. God made the man back in 1983. I began to clean up my act on the inside. I was still in the business, but I began to do more edifying things. But three years later, friends, and maybe this is where I'm talking about the second level, about making the ministry. I was talking to Coach last night. I went to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Matter of fact, is that woman here? Your yes. sister here? Yes. Well, I was in Brooklyn Tabernacle back in 1986. So if you were in the choir, the, the sister, whoever you were that he was talking about last night, I was in that service in June 8th, 1986. And there was a traveling evangelist who came by, a singer-songwriter, but evangelist, and he gave an all-in-out message. And the, Lord, the sword of the Lord came into my heart, right into my heart. He said, Kurt, I know you love me. I know you've, you've given your life to me, but I want everything. I want everything, Kurt. Drop your nets. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, acting isn't something I do. It's something I am. I am an actor. I am an artist. And he said, that's right, Kurt. Die to it. I want all your bad stuff. Give me all your pain, your shame. I want all your good stuff too, Kurt. All your talents all your thoughts, all your good things you think about, all your family, give me it. Drop your nets. For the first time in my life, I, was, I, I saw myself as an artist even since I was eight years old. I took off that stigma of just the, the, the world puts on, which could be good, good labels as well, friends. Artist, actor, whatever. It was ripped off. The only sign I wear, friends, is the sign of the cross. You know, it says, hey, man, what's your sign? Oh, I'm this, I'm that. No, my sign is the cross. I don't get into all this other stuff. But that's the making of the ministry, friends. A stripping down of all the other stuff. 
And here's the testimony. Actors have to be pretty much self-motivated. We have to keep going. And for two months, I didn't go on another audition. I just said, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want. I'm in my flat. I haven't worked in about two weeks, and uh, two months rather. I'm living in the 46th and 9th in New York City. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And I heard the Lord say something so simple, friends. He said, Kurt, look out your window. Okay. I was living on 46th Street, 9th Avenue, restaurant row. I looked at my window, and there was a string of homeless guys sitting on the curb. And I heard the Lord say, go feed them. Okay? I haven't worked in two months. There's not much here, Lord. Let me tell you, plus I'm behind a few months' rent, too. Okay, you want me to feed them or feed them? And I learned a lesson, friends, that I've never forgotten. God doesn't care how much you um, don't have, friends, in that sense, in the context of what I'm talking about. He just says, use what you do have. That's all he's saying. Don't worry about what you don't have. If I worried about what I don't have, friends, I would never step out of my door. I'm so inadequate to do what I have to do. If I, were, if I was to concentrate on what I don't have, friends, that's a negative stat. He says, use what you do have. And I just went to my fridge. There's a few things of bologna and some bread. I just put them together and went on the street. And every time I had something, I'd go on the street and just pass it out. It's like a little Johnny Appleseed with the sandwiches. I'd have my little bag of sandwiches. I'd go out and make sandwiches. I began to buy bulk, make sandwiches. I brought fruit, apples for those with teeth and bananas for those that don't. <laughs> and I just had, had, had my, my fruit and my sandwiches, and I'd pass them out. And somebody got wind, somebody in Brooklyn. There's a woman that was doing the same ministry in Brooklyn. She, we ended up contacting through a friend of a friend, and we ended up joining forces. And before we knew it, friends, every Friday night, we were making three to 400 sandwiches a night, every Friday night, going out in the street. It would take us about at least five hours. So we get up at 5 o'clock, and by the way, from that time, and this is just my body clock nowadays, every single Saturday, if I'm in the city in which I'm living and ministering in that way, I've been up at 5 o'clock since 1986, making tea, or now in England making tea. In the States, they make the tea, make the sandwiches. And we found businessmen who just said, we'll give you as many tracks as you want as long as you use them. If you hoard them, that, 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 that river is cut off. If you use them, take it. And we would get stacks. We have Bibles and passing out Bibles and tracks and making all these sandwiches. And God just met the need over and over again. But I knew God had something more, friends, something more cross-cultural. I always knew that God was sending me cross-cultural. I had a missionary spirit from the beginning, friends, and maybe some of you do too. But let me tell you, first God makes the man, then he makes the ministry. As Romans chapter 12 says, it's a renewing of the mind, it's a transforming of your life, friends. And not to razzle-dazzle you with Greek and stuff, but the Greek just means it's an ongoing, continuous thing. My mind is still being renewed. Being more formed in the image of Christ. And see, once he makes the man, friends, you cross from death into life. And as you were talking about before, Coach, when you were saying about all the different aspects of people, look at the Gospel of John. In John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee. John chapter 4, he's talking to a woman at the well. And also chapter 4, he's talking to a nobleman who's the healing of his son. In John chapter 5, he's talking about a man who's sick for many, almost 38 years, sitting at, at a pool. No matter what strata of society you're in, Christ can meet the need. The gospel is the same, friends. It's the same, friends. God's, I tell you, I have nothing to boast about. It's, 
You know, but I am so pleased to be called a child of God. I minister on the streets, and within two days later, I'm in Mozambique ministering, and about two days after that, I'm in the House of Lords. God's opened up a door. On a Monday, I'm on a dirt floor with mud in, in, the, in, the, in the bush of Mozambique, and on a Friday, I'm in the House of Lords with rugs this thick, talking to some ladies' group, and man, they would just go, you have a church in the street? What is that? It's the gospel. That's what it is. Hallelujah. It's the gospel. But I tell you, it's the same message. You may have to, you have to know your audience. I mean, I don't, I, I preach every, day, every week on the street. I can preach for 10 minutes. I can preach for two hours. It's the same message. I say, whether you're wearing a white collar, a blue collar, no collar, ring around the collar, Whatever collar you're wearing, friends, without Christ, you're wearing a dog collar. Satan holds the leash. He says, roll over. You roll over. You jump, you jump. Play dead. Stay dead. Christ breaks the leash. I remember sharing that in the House of Lords. And there was, was, I mean, they're they're wonderful people. There's Baroness Sainsbury was there. There's Lord Ashbourne that was there, who's a very good friend of mine. And I'm just saying this, friends, just to say that God. And also there's this Billy on the streets. There's Samuel, who's a student. All spheres, friends, are all the same. And I see in my life, I want, to, I want them, I want God to make the man in them or the woman. And then God will make the ministry. Take time to know God, friends. Because God's making a ministry. Everyone here has got a ministry. Everyone here has a gift of the Holy Spirit within them. Everyone, friends. Everyone. Everyone. He's making the ministry in you. It takes time. It takes time. First, he makes the man, and you cross. I tell you, in the danger of going from, the mini- from making of the man into the message without going through the ministry, friends, we see this also in the Apostle Paul. God made the man. He threw him off his horse. And I'm not talking about this Pharisaic um, man that would kill in the name of God. I'm talking about the man of God who's thrown off his horse, blinded. He received his sight and immediately starts preaching Christ in Damascus. He almost blew the whole mission, man. He almost got himself killed. He almost got all the church killed. He didn't take time to make the ministry. He went three years into Arabia to get all that Pharisaic stuff out of him. Not the law, but the Pharisaic stuff. And he's the most powerful preacher of his day. He knew the law like anybody. He knew the word. Nobody could have written the book. Peter could never have written the book of Romans. He's a fisherman. Not the fishermen can't write Romans, but no, not the way Paul wrote it. You know, he was a master of the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, but he could not get his righteousness by that way. God had to strip him down. It was the making of the ministry. First the man, then the ministry, then the message. Friends, I'm here, man. You study and show yourself approved. You take time in the Word. I was sharing also last night. We had such a fantastic fellowship. I'm just preaching what we talked last night on the table, Coach. You know, if you spend more time in Facebook, friends, than you do on your face and in his book, you're off balance, friends. I use Facebook. I'd rather seek his face and be in his book than to be on the Facebook. They use it all the time. 
I'm, speak, I'm preaching to myself. It's just something. I tell you, Facebook is amazing. Again, connections. I was in Rhode Island. And because of the, uh, on Facebook, I was having coffee with somebody in Dunkin' Donuts about two weeks ago with a guy I used to know when I was in the second grade. <laughs> I've known this guy, I won't tell you how many years, but I've known this guy quite a while. <laughs> Suffice to say, I was in the second grade. <laughs> I met this other person, 13 years old, the last time we spoke. But I tell you something, they are amazed at my life. And I said, well, I'm nothing. But they knew me in high school, and they knew me, you know, with the long hair and the drugs and all this stuff. They, they, and they said, you're a minister? <laughs> you're a pastor? And they, they started laughing. I was joking. I said, well, it is pretty funny. <laughs> you're a missionary? First God makes the man, then he makes the ministry. But because of that, friends, I had a platform to speak into their lives. Then he gives the message. Look what it says here, and I'm just going to share something else. But look, it says right here. Look at verse 17. It says, you know, if any man be in Christ, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry, first the man, then the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to, to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. First the man, then the ministry, then the message. Our lives are open epistles, friends. An epistle is not a female apostle. You missed that one. Forget it. An epistle is a written love letter to the world. Let me tell you, friends, let me challenge you. You are the light of the world. That's not an option. If any man be in Christ, you are the light of the world. Now, what you do with it is an option. You can put it under a bushel. You can put it under a table. Or you can set it on the hill that everyone can see it. But you are the light of the world. I tell you, friends, Florida and Georgia is dying spiritually. This nation, I come back we wants to be maybe a year or so, I see a difference, friends. I see, you know, you walk in the room, you can spell the, you, can, you sense the spiritual contour of the room. I walked in this church last night. I said, wow, yesterday, the presence of the Lord dwells here, friends. When I come back to this country, I don't sense that, friends. Yes, God is here. God is not dead. God is moving. And there are spots of fire where God is doing some awesome things. But as a people group, friends, we are going further and further away. You are the light of the world, friends. So let your light shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify God. You know, and by repetition, friends, of letting the glory of God be in your life and let God's goodness not only pass before you, but pass before others as they see your life. I didn't have to even open my mouth. I was talking to my friends who knew me for years ago. They've seen the difference, friends. They saw when Kurt used to walk in darkness. I was a purporter of the darkness. Matter of fact, one of the guys on Facebook, he just said, I'll just share this out. He goes, yeah, Kurt, I remember you. Matter of fact, you saw me in my first bag of pot. That's not a testimony I want. But that was back in high school. And now he sees me as a minister. 
Turn to find out he's been going to church for the last 30 years too. In his fellowship. Go if you would, friends, to Acts chapter 20. Because there's a danger here, and I just want to talk about this light that we are. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, Awake, O sleeper. The burden of my heart right here, friends, is, is just to encourage you to walk in the power and the light that you are. You know, I, talk, I can talk about my ministry, and I love doing it, friends, but I, I can spend here until the rest of the time here, I'm in Florida, just talking about the glory and the changed lives I've seen over and over again of just being the light on the streets. And my, light, my work is just not on the streets, friends. That's, that's a major part of it. Somebody once said, as I, was, I was introduced one time speaking, and they introduced me as a homeless minister. I said, no, I do have a home. <laughs> you know? <laughs> if God calls me on the streets, literally, God, wherever you send me, I'll go. Right now, I am blessed with a home. I have two sons, but I do minister to the homeless. But let me tell you, friends, if anybody you meet is not guaranteed a place in heaven where Christ says, I prepared a place for you, he's homeless. I don't care if you've got a suit and tie. I don't care if you've got a, a job. You're homeless. If you do not have a home in heaven, friends, you are homeless. So I, I'm dealing with the, you know, you talk about the first world, the third world. But to me, those who are unsaved, that's the fourth world. They live right beside you all the time. They're your best friends half the time. They live right across the street from you, and your light is under the bushel. That's the fourth world. And they're homeless. And for that sake, I am a homeless minister. But friends, let me just tell you, look at Acts chapter 20. And let me just share this very, very quickly. The danger of sleeping in the light. The danger, you know, we have, we have such an opportunity with the internet, with the travel. I tell you, if Jesus was around today, if Paul was around today, yes, he, he probably would have his own helicopter. He would be on the internet. He would be on Facebook. He would be all the stuff. He would have a band. He would have, have all the stuff we have here, friends. Anything to get the gospel out, he would be doing. Anything, any opportunity he would use. And he'd be wise with it. He says, we persuade men. And that's why he says, sometimes I will present the gospel a little differently from the house of laws than I would in the bush of Mozambique, friends. But the message is the same. And there's a danger of putting that bushel under the light. Swallowing what you know is true. And God will give you divine appointments over and over and over again. In Acts chapter 20, just for the sake of time, let me just share something with you. There's a man named Eutychus. Eutychus is listening. It says that he's in a room full of lamps. It's a well-lit room. And he's listening to the most powerful preacher of his day. Paul was preaching. And he went on and on. Very similar, friends. Not in a boring way. Very similar to maybe the upper room in Christ. His last time he was going to meet his disciples. He gave them, this is my swain song. This is what I want you to hold on to. Paul was leaving. And this is it. Listen carefully. And this man, Eutychus, who's in a very privileged position, they don't know who he is. It's the first time he's mentioned, the last time he's mentioned. And Eutychus was not a known name in the first century, as I've done my research on this particular man. But it was a popular name among slaves. And interesting. Maybe he was doubly blessed. He shouldn't have even been in that room to begin with, but somehow he had a saved master who brought him to the place, and he's sitting and listening to Paul's preach. He's doubly blessed, friends. So are we. We're doubly blessed. And living in a land, friends, where you can hit just two clicks of a mouse and all the wisdom of the ages past about Christ can be on our screen. And go to every corner and there's a church. 
We are so, we, we, are, we, we, we are in a land or room full of light all around us. But I propose to you, friends, that Eutychus is the type of church, type of the church. And Paul is a type of Christ in my typology here. But he sleeps, friends. He falls asleep. You know, it was the um, anniversary recently of a man that died even before I, I, I've, I know, I've, I've known the Lord since 1983. This particular singer-songwriter died in 82. I knew his ministry after he died, but I loved the ministry of Keith Green. And he has one song that always challenges me. Maybe some of you younger people don't know him, but I would recommend his music to you. Remember that song? By, you know, How can we be so dead when we're so well fed? Jesus rose from the dead, and you can't even get out of bed. And I say, God, he speaks to me all the time. When I'm starting to get lethargic, when I start getting self-pity, when I start doing other stuff, I say, God, I'm going to shake this stuff off. Shake this stuff off. I'm not going to sleep on the sill. Friends, the danger of sleeping on the sill. Eutychus fell asleep, and he had all the opportunity. Room full of lamps, the powerful preacher speak, and I believe Paul was a powerful preacher. Some say, because the people fell asleep, and, and plus he says, my, my persuasiveness is not in my words, but in the power of God. That doesn't mean he was not a powerful preacher. But he did not, as a matter of fact, he magnifies what I'm saying. It wasn't his preaching that was converting people. It was the power of God. He's a powerful preacher. But Eutychus took it for granted, friends. And my burden today, friends, to you, is don't take God's presence, his word, his spirit, the giftings you have for granted. If you read the story, friends, the Eutychus falls out of the window. Three stories. What's this? Two stories here, coach? This building, about two stories? So add, he fell three stories. And friends, it's a fatal fall. John 10.10. 10. I'm going I'm to match something up here, friends, and then we'll pray. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's a three-story fall, friends. See, Satan will come, and I'm going to match this also with 1 Corinthians 13. See, three things Satan wants to steal from you and kill and destroy, but three things remain, friends, in our lives. That's faith, hope, and love. Let me match those, thing, those three things together, six things. Satan will come, and he'll steal your faith. And if he steals your faith, friends, he will kill your hope. And once your hope is killed, friends, it will destroy your love. It's a three-story fall, friends, from sleeping in the light. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We exist by faith, friends. He's out to steal it. Faith is the assurance of things unseen. The conviction of things hoped for. Many things I don't see in the flesh, friends. I walk by faith. I walk by faith. I haven't even seen the salary in 25 years. I walk by faith. And that's here or there, friends. But it's true. God said, leave your, 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 your career. I did. And twice he told me, at that time and on the verge and the eve of us going into the mission field back in 1991, my wife and I, we had $300 in our pocket. We had no keys also in our pocket. I knew one person in South End, England, and my wife was pregnant. He said, Go. We went because I saw something that I could not put on a, a computer screen or write on a blackboard. I saw the hand of God moving us in a certain way. 
And he said, go. It was the assurance of things unseen and the conviction of things hoped for. I was not no delusion. I'm not going to go and save a nation, though that's my goal. It's one day at a time. God, make me a man of faith. Because with the faith comes the hope. And if he steals your faith, friends, he will kill your hope. What's the use of praying? This one's never going to get saved. Matter of fact, someone said that about me. One little testimony here. I became saved. I, I remember I had a business card of a chaplain that was given to me two years before I was saved. I had a very heavy rock and roll background. All my friends were anti-Christ. I had a friend who was saved. He kept giving me tracks. I threw him out of my house. I, I, was, I wasn't a very nice guy at that time. I'm still a nice guy. Christ does this stuff. Amen. But he gave me a business card, and I kept it over a chaplain. I called the chaplain up, and I just want to talk about Jesus. After many years, and I got saved. God made the man. But she, she, she told me a few years after I was saved, you know that your friend Terry, who gave you the card, he called me not knowing what was going on in my heart, and I, that I was going to call her within a week. He said to her, you mind just stop praying for Kurt, because this cat's so evil, he's never coming to the Lord. That's what he told her. And then he gets a phone call from, she gets a phone call from the same guy that that was spoken about. And I said, you don't know me. My name's Kurt Erickson. I just want to talk about Jesus. And I hung up. That's the only Christian that I knew at that time. And she just led me to the Lord. That was years ago, 31 years ago. But the hope that she had, she was not going to give up praying for this guy that she never met. Imagine that. If I ask you right now, could you please pray for, I'll just say, Jimmy Joe. Just, just, just pray for Jimmy Joe. And you have, you have no idea who this guy is, but okay, Kurt asked me to pray for him. I'll pray for him. And two years later, you get on your answer machine, hi, my name is Jimmy Joe. I just want to talk about Jesus. She almost fell off a chair. But she had a hope. She had a faith. She had a hope. Are you still praying for things, friends, that maybe you haven't seen right now? And you feel maybe your, your faith is waning? That's the devil trying to just chip away at your faith, friends, because he's trying to steal that faith to kill your hope. And because I have hope, friends, my love will not be destroyed. The love of God. I will love him with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul, and with all my might. Because my hope is strong, friends. You know, Romans says, you know, we go through trials and tribulations. And we see the hand of the Lord in our lives. And that produces a godly hope. And the hope forms a character. Come what may. Friends, I, I, I speak for one, I'm sure I speak for coaching, and many of you others who are more mature in the faith. We've gone too far to turn back, friends. We've seen the hand of God through the hard times and the good times. You know, sometimes in Psalm 23, we take verse 4 by itself. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Take it in context. Verse 3 says, He leads me down paths of righteousness for His sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the context, friends. When you want to walk as a man or woman of God, everything's going to come against you. And if your faith is stolen, friends, your hope is going to be killed and your love will be destroyed. I have a deep love for God. I have a deep love for the church. 
I have a deep love for the unlovable. I embrace them, friends. Everyone, everyone is made in the image of God. I've, 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 I've hugged people that, I tell you, God has given me a grace in my life that I don't smell them anymore. Some of these guys haven't bathed in weeks. And I hugged them like I've hugged my own son. Whether they receive Christ in that sense, in the context, is irrelevant. They're made in the image of God. They deserve to hear the gospel. They deserve to be embraced. Because I have a hope that they will be saved because my faith is strong. And my hope is alive. And my love is active. I don't want to sleep on the sill, friends. Especially in the light of lamps, in the room of lamps, and with just a word, a powerful word all around me. There's no excuse. Amen? Sometimes it's hard, friends, in an affluent society to see those who are stuck on the side. They may not have a voice, but they're there. And let me encourage you, friends, but for the grace of God, so go all of us. I was in a pastor's meeting the other day, <clears throat> a few months ago, rather, two months ago. And <clears throat> one pastor was saying, you know, all of us in this room right now, we're about two paychecks from going to Kurt's church in this economic climate. Two paychecks. All the, most of the guys I meet in the street, friends, they're not drug addicts. They're not flip-outs. They're not alcoholics. They're not. They're hard-working people. Now, maybe once on the street, they get into alcohol and stuff, and that's another issue we have to deal with. But the reason why they're on the street is not because of those things. Maybe they lost a job, they lost their house, they lost their flat, maybe it was a death of some, or a loved one, maybe it was um, just, could be anything. Something in their life just shook. And suddenly they find themselves on the street. We feed them every day, or every time we're out. We don't do that to sneak the gospel in, friends. The, God, the Lord says, feed the poor. I'll feed them. And we do that, we have a service on the street every single week after we feed them. I don't want them to think they have to sit around and just wait to hear, the, to hear this guy talk about Jesus just to get a bread, a piece of bread. No, man, have a piece of bread. If that's all you want, that's, then take it. But there's much more. I tell them every single week, this is not a free deli service. We're just not out here getting our free teas and sandwiches. And I prophesy to them, I said, if you have this sandwich, I prophesy you'll be hungry again in three hours. You drink this cup of tea, I prophesy you'll be thirsty again in one hour. But you drink of the bread of life. I mean, eat of the bread of life and drink of the living water. You will never go thirsty again. Amen. And never go thirsty, hungry again. <clears throat> and that's the message, friends. They try to, to make homelessness illegal in the part of Westminster where I, I minister, which happens to be the borough of the Queen and Parliament I went to get a license to have um, <clears throat> a sound system and to have amplification. And they said, no, Mr. Erickson, we have no homeless in Westminster. Excuse me? I'm there every week. Mr. Erickson, we have no homeless in Westminster. <laughs> Excuse me to differ, miss, but I'm there every single week. Mr. Erickson, you're not hearing me. We have no homeless in Westminster. That's the bottom line. So 
It's redundant to ask for a sound system to reach out for them. Total denial. In the Queen's Borough, in the borough of the House of Parliament, there's no homeless. That's the, that's, that's, that's the veneer, friends. Many times I feel like I'm in Acts chapter 3. I walk by the gate, beautiful. When you find the pictures of London, friends, you'll see Big Ben, you'll see uh, Buckingham Palace, you'll see the Thames River, you'll see the London Eye, you will not see the church without walls on postcards. And yet we're right next to Westminster Cathedral, one of the most magnificent cathedrals in London. Right outside the gate, beautiful, is, is the cripple. My love is strong, friends. I cannot give you my faith, and you have faith right now. For some of you, you're on fire for God. I'm here just with some kerosene, friends. I'm throwing it on the flame. Some of you may, you're not quite sure. I'm here to encourage your friends, be sure. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Some of you wait, oh, if I could just go to the nations. Friends, go to your neighbor. <laughs> oh, I want to go across the seas, man. Go across the streets. It's right there. If you have faith with the little friends, he'll give you more. And some of you, maybe even the young people, you may have a vision, I want to go around the world and travel and spread the gospel. I tell you, he'll do it. He'll do it. In his timing. See, first God makes the man. Then he makes the ministry. Then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Amen? I don't have to wake up in the morning, oh God, please make me the light of the world. He says, Kurt, you are the light of the world. Oh God, God, give me the message. Kurt, I've given you the message. Just do it. Amen? Ian Clive, go ahead. Just do it. Oh God, give me the power. I've given you the power. Oh Lord, send your glory. I've let my goodness pass before. What are you waiting for? I speak to myself, friends. First God makes the man, then he makes the, message, uh, the ministry, then he, the message. Let uh, the, the abundance of your heart, let it speak, friends. Let your hands be his hands extended. Your voice be his voice raised up. Your feet be his feet to go into places that no one else will go to. Where in the world they don't have the faith, therefore they don't have the hope we have and they don't understand the love of God. Satan has stolen that from them. The flesh has blinded their eyes. But not us, friends. Our eyes are open. I once was blind, but now I see. You know, <clears throat> we sang it today. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 27. He is my light and my salvation. And I would have perished if I did not believe that I would see the Lord, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I go, to, I go in the streets every day. Plus, I have a Bible school. I work with Teen Challenge. I, I work as a chaplain as well. There are other things I do besides the church without walls, which you just planted another church on the street as well. Let me tell you something, friends. I don't know how you strategized here, Coach. In the four church plants I've been involved in, in in England, I did not spend one second around a table 
strategizing how God's going to plant the church. I was in South Africa, so he said, Kurt, do you have a, a manual that we, that we can just look at? And I say, yeah, I do, actually. It's right here. The only strategy we've had, and I've had, on the mission field and even in New York, is love. Just love people. Love God. Esteem the other one better than yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt. But for the grace of God, friends, I'm there. Jesus is not my crutch, friends. He's my very legs. I threw the crutches away. I stand on him and him alone. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you, friends. And if some of you here do not know the Lord, or you're backslidden, come to God. They once asked John Calvin, the great reformer and theologian of the 1600s, they said, you know, it's volumes of books on explaining the Christian walk. And the king of France just said, Calvin, can you just tell me one word what Christianity is all about? I don't have time to read these volumes. He says, yes, I can, one word. Repentance. Turning from yourself to God. That's for the saved and for the unsaved, friends. Looking at God. Leaving your past behind. Trusting him with your presence and knowing where you're going in the future. That's Christianity, friends. A 180 degree turn. Serving God. Amen? Where do we stand, friends? Coach? Hallelujah. You know, I'm obedient to the time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, friends, and I can speak all night. It's as, as, as biblical, as Paul said. But I don't have to. I also know that I, I was obedient to express what God had put upon my heart to you. The good thing about Eutychus falling, friends, and the three-story fall, at the end of the story, I mean, he does die. And your faith will die if you have the three-story fall. But Paul is a type of Christ. He lays upon Eutychus, and he's risen back to life. Amen? That's the resurrecting power of God. That's why I said if some of you are on fire for God, it's just kerosene, friends. Take that torch and you run. And don't stop. If you're not sure, friends, hopefully this is just one more word in Coach, just the way that you used to coach. I remember that. I was on the football field with this man just once and saw some powerful stuff. I was just motivating. It's not a motivational speech, friends, but it's a, it's a speech of encouragement to carry on. You've got the ball. Run. But some of you, you may be dragging your feet, friends, and I say this in love. You've heard messages like this before. Drop the stuff, friends. And run with God. Amen? If you don't know the Lord today, friends, I welcome you. Turn to God today. Amen? As it says, God is reconciling the world to himself through the message of reconciliation. Your sins can be forgiven. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this edition of Forward Church Online. We hope this has been a blessing in your life and that you'll share this and other great resources with your friends. We want to invite you to explore our webpage at www.myforwardchurch.org. There, you'll find online giving, church events, and so much more. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter as there's always something happening around Forward Church. If you're ever in our area, we'd like to extend an invitation to come be a part of one of our live worship experiences. Thanks again for listening to the Forward Church online podcast. Have a great week.